Welcome to the Maximizing Outcomes Podcast, brought to you by Jim McGovern and the McGovern Wealth Group. Achieving bigger and better results with money, family, and business isn't about creating a bigger to-do list for yourself. It's about who can help you create results without you having to do all the work. Listen as we provide uncommon perspectives, powerful resources, and experienced people that can help you maximize outcomes in your life. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to Maximizing Outcomes with Jim McGovern. Jim, what's going on? Well, lots of new stuff, Eric. Got a new baby in the family. I know. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> you you Just, told me that, you know, we, we actually had a, a recording scheduled and it was so funny because you almost sent me, you sent me an email that was almost apologetic. Like, hey, really sorry about this. <laughs> we had what a production schedule, back-to-back <laughs> episodes. We were getting ready to record and, uh, you know, had to go into the hospital and, uh, deliver the baby luckily i wasn't the one delivering the baby but yeah my wife uh gave birth to a beautiful baby girl and uh we've oh, been enjoying man. her the last week or so and got back at it for this episode here so <laughs> dude i'm so excited for you i'm just i'm grinning from ear to ear and uh as a father of a daughter myself i just joy it's just so much joy and yes their timing is terrible uh but other than <laughs> that it's uh no it's fantastic I'm, I'm congratulations to you and your family your beautiful wife uh please pass on our all of our congratulations to her and uh let's get down to business shall we? awesome thank you eric <laughs> all right so what are we talking about today so we're going to talk about annuities today. We're going to talk about how annuities can be used pre-retirement to uh, you know, invest money, protect assets, but then we're going to really going to spend a lot of time focusing on how annuities can provide guaranteed lifetime income. So a lot mm-hmm. to cover, a um, lot of uh, details we're going to get into, but I think it's going to be a good episode just to give people who aren't as familiar with annuities a good working overview as to what they do, what they don't do. Um, and even some folks who've read up on annuities before that it may have been skeptical in the past or maybe have not been very attracted to the annuities, uh, maybe time for a revisit. Uh, and I will tell you that I've, I've gone through in my career different phases where I thought there's some very attractive annuity products and other times where there just wasn't. So I would say just keep an open mind because there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff we're going to cover today. Well, and, and that's actually what I've heard uh, before is that it, they change, right? There, there's so many different complexities and there's so many different things that they can do. Um, you just have to shop the one that's best for you. And that's where you come in, right? I mean, it's it's right. taking a look at somebody's personal information, personal individualized area that they need help in and whether it fits or not. I, I personally have never shopped for an annuity. So it's it's I'm, I'm very interested in, in what we're talking about today. Um, yeah, and, and let's, I guess, before we, we get too much further down the road, let, let's think about what the the number one concern that people have as they get close, close to retirement and really what the annuities were originally, originally designed to do. Mm-hmm. is they're there for income production because you know I've been fortunate and then my third decade now in this career I've met countless people and it's the number one concern that I hear from people that are either nearing retirement or they're in retirement it's the same thing it's do I have enough money mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. I'm concerned I don't have enough I'm concerned I might run out I'm scared that I might not be able to live the life that I want in retirement that may not mean that they're broke it just means that they might live a much lesser life than they thought they would. And, you know, the things that they thought they would enjoy in retirement, they may have to say no to. So people are concerned about that and they want to know what can we do? And yeah. annuities are uniquely positioned to do a lot of heavy lifting um, in that area to alleviate those concerns. So again, before we, we dive in here, there's almost, I think around 18 or 19 different types of annuities. 
Wow. We can't possibly cover all no. those in one episode. <laughs> uh, maybe if I get a great response from this and people ask more questions and yeah, maybe we have separate episodes for different types, but uh, I'm going to give you some examples of, of how they're used in the years leading up to retirement and then primarily what they do when you get to retirement. And there's really two metaphors I just want people to keep in mind throughout this episode when it comes to annuities. The first is think of an, an annuity as a puzzle piece. Mm -hmm. okay, it's a puzzle piece for your entire retirement picture. It's not the entire picture, but it can be that missing piece that completes the picture. Yeah. And the second metaphor I want people to think about is think of it as a retirement bridge. So I want you to visualize a sturdy bridge that's connecting the income that you've been used to, that you earn during your working years, uh, to the income that you want in your retirement years. And it spans across the duration of your entire lifetime. And it can even go for the duration of your spouse's lifetime. And if you think about what a bridge is doing, is it, it's giving you a smooth ride that's rising above the dangers that are lurking below and the, the rough terrains below that bridge. It's just smoothing all that out for you. And that's what annuities do in retirement. Okay. So with that, right. Eric, let's dive in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, well, I mean, you nailed it. You, the, the first thing that you said there was that people's biggest concern is, you know, am I going to have enough money? Um, and I think that people watch their accounts and they, they think, okay, is this going to grow? Are my assets going to grow enough to sustain me throughout all my retirement years? And then of course, people are worrying about the downturns in the economy, right? The, the market's going down. Um, how is that going to affect my, my retirement assets? It's it's a big big concern across the board, but how real is it? I mean, is is this something that people need to be concerned about? You know, as as they're when they're fifty, fifty five, sixty, sixty five. I mean, kind of tell me how that works. Yeah, I, I think this is a very real concern. If we just do a little bit of uh, you know market history for a minute, I mean, just go back to the year two thousand and look at present day. I mean, we've had three major downturns in the stock market during that time period. So go back to two thousand. 2001, 2002, and if you track the S&P 500, I mean, those were three terrible years in a row where the market was down roughly 40% within three years. Yeah. It happened again in the started at the end of 2007 and continued into March of 2009, uh, another you know, 40, 45% downturn. In fact, that happened within the same decade. And that time period was nicknamed the lost decade, because if you had invested money in the beginning of the year 2000, and you looked at your account balance, if you put all your money in the S&P 500, uh, you probably were either sitting at maybe break even by the end of 2009, uh, if not still sitting at a loss. So you, you thought you had all this time to grow your money and you had a decade that that just didn't pan out. Yeah. And then the third time it happened was spring of 2020. You know, when, when COVID mm -hmm. hit, uh, the market was down 30% in about 16 days. I mean, no, granted, it, it rebounded, but look what happened in 2022, another double-digit decline. So here's the thing about this. I mean, the concern is real. Yes, very much so. But when you think about the economy and you think about the markets, historically, they've always recovered. Mm -hmm. But individual participants in the economy, individual participants in the market, they don't always recover. Yeah. And the reason for that is there's a major difference between investing money and disinvesting money. So nobody enjoys volatility. Like when the market's going down, nobody enjoys it. However, for the people that were working and they were pumping money into the market during those three time periods I just referenced, they ultimately benefited as that market recovered. They were buying shares at lower prices. So when the market recovered, they benefited tremendously. That's for wealth accumulation, right? But when you get into retirement and you're disinvesting, you're taking money out of the market, you're making withdrawals while that volatility, that downward volatility is occurring. 
that can have an effect that feels a lot like throwing gasoline onto a fire. Mm -hmm. And there's a term for this. This is called sequence of return risk. Not to get too fancy here, but we have we have software that models this out for people. But you know, we I like to show an example to folks that when you think about average rates of return, uh, a lot of people just do linear math. They think of a investment that maybe averages eight percent. So they start to do the math in their head and go, okay, if I get eight percent every year, here's how this is going to work. But that's not the way markets work. You're going to have some good years. You're going to have some bad years. So I'll, I'll walk them through a, an exercise that shows that you can take a, a 10, 15, 20 year time period that has a lot of good years, a couple of bad years, still has a nice average 8% rate of return, but the order in which the returns come in has an amazingly profound impact on the outcome. So if you have some bad years early in retirement, even though the market may recover and get to a long-term nice average rate of return, because the the losses happen so early in retirement, your portfolio may never recover. And and you look at somebody else, the same amount of money, same average rate of return. If they had good returns early in retirement, they may end up not just with a nice amount of money in retirement, but they might have a, a pretty sizable estate versus somebody else that that ran out of money in retirement. Yeah. So it, it's a really sensitive thing, this whole topic of disinvesting money versus investing money. Yeah, I mean that's it's a bit complicated, uh, and and it's emotions that really get in the way in a lot of ways. Um, and you've talked about that on previous podcasts, and the fear of what's happening out there, the fear of the downturns, the fear of running out of money. Um, I think it's only exasperated by people seeing the inflation that's happening right now. Um, do you think that's the primary driver for fear at, at this point, or is there something else? I, I think it's part of it, but I think that people in their gut, they sense that it's more than just inflation. And I just like to have people think about, you know, think of somebody who's 55, 60 years old, and just look backwards in their life. And, and just think about how difficult it is to balance between living your life in the moment, as you're going to work for a paycheck, right, you're trying to raise a family, and you're trying to you're trying to live your life in the moment while you're also trying to save for the future. And if you think back over a couple of decades, I mean, think about how many surprises have come up along the way. Uh, think about all the spending shocks that have occurred and the unexpected expenses that have popped up. There's been changes to careers, hopefully good changes, but sometimes there's bad changes. Family situations change, the economy changes, technology is always changing. So these are all little dings to our ability to create wealth, right? So if you think about this financial impact, at least you had income from working to deal with some of these spending shocks. Mm -hmm. But now the problem is, is that People, as they get close to retirement or they're in retirement, they're like staring off into the abyss. They're looking into a completely unknown life expectancy. You don't know how long you're going to live. So therefore, you don't know how long you're going to need to generate retirement income. You don't know how long your spouse or significant other is going to live. Right. So that, that makes the problem even more challenging. And you're still going to experience a lot of spending shocks in retirement. And it's all going to happen without a career to absorb it. Right. So at least like with inflation going up, doesn't feel good, but typically wages adjust with inflation eventually. It may not happen immediately, but eventually, if you don't get pay raises, that's equal to a pay cut. Mm -hmm. And you have some of that to, to help absorb these losses. You don't have that in retirement. So yeah, people worry about inflation, but I, I want people to think about inflation as a separate category of the rising cost of living because they're different, right? Because your, your real cost of living, I mean, that includes things like style changes, it includes things like your car finally breaking down and you have to replace it, the roof on your house needing to be replaced, uh, new technologies that make your life more convenient and better that you pay for that aren't in your current budget that will be in your new budget someday. 
right? So there's a lot of these things that that pop up. Uh, a big one that I hear about is healthcare costs. You know, healthcare costs have been skyrocketing for years, oh, yeah. and you're still going to be facing this in in retirement. Uh, and the other thing, this is kind of ironic because you know, doing this long enough now, I've I've have a lot of folks that I worked with when I was early in my career that were, you know, they were mid-career, but now they're retiring or they were late career and they've been retired for quite some time. And when I met them, they were adamant. I do not want to leave any money to my kids. I'm going to spend it on retirement. It's all about them. Like I've, I've educated my kids. I raised them. Now it's me time. And now they've changed, right? Because now their kids are older. The kids are raising their own family. Mm -hmm. People are getting a little more sentimental. And now it's like, yeah, that same person says, I don't want to leave anything behind. It's going, yeah, it's really important for me to leave something. I want to leave a financial legacy behind for my kids and my grandkids or you know, maybe charities that they, they are passionate about. And you know, now it feels like every time I spend money, it's like, well, what am I doing? I'm spending money that could have been left behind. There's almost like this guilt factor that pops up, hmm. right? Or if I spend more, if I spend more income for me, it's taking away from them. But if I take it away from me, I can give it to them. It's just a tough place to be. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing is, is that I just don't know anybody that wants to adjust their their retirement income and their lifestyle in retirement every year based on what's happening on Wall Street. They just don't want to do it. It's like, okay, the market's mm -hmm. down 20%. Oh, great. What do I do? Look at my budget and just cut 20% of my my lifestyle. Like, that's just not the way anybody really wants to live. Yeah. So I, I just find people are really looking for two things. They're looking for, number one, they're looking for a way to stop worrying. People are just sick and tired of having to worry. They want to know they have income coming in every month that's going to maintain their lifestyle throughout retirement. I mean, just think about Social Security checks. I mean, retirees love Social Security checks. They love their pension checks if they're fortunate mm -hmm. enough to have a pension. Reason being is that it feels like you're on a salary for life. It's easy to yeah. plan your life around it. It's easy to know how you're going to pay your bills. Um, most people that I know that are retired receiving either pension checks or Social Security, they know the day that that check hits their bank account. They know the amount that they're going to get. If there's anything they could change about that, they would change their frequency and they would change the amount. They would want that to go up. So, so people like guaranteed income. And the second thing is people don't want to go backwards. You know, you hear elite athletes say things like they hate losing more than they like winning. And that, that mm -hmm. fuels them, right? In retirement, I know a lot of people that hate losing money more than they like making money. Yeah. I mean, when, when returns go up, don't get me wrong, they're happy, but it's not turning into an immediate impact, immediate improvement in their lifestyle, right? Because they're always worried about, well, when's the next shoe going to drop? Is the market going to mm -hmm. come back down again? But when the assets drop in value, I mean, sometimes people like literally, they freak out. And they get really scared. They immediately begin to worry. And sometimes they make immediate changes in their lifestyle. Hey, that family trip, we're going to skip that this year. That's just not the way you should really live in retirement, right? You, you've worked this hard to get here. Why go backwards? So I, I think of I think of our careers and our our path to wealth accumulation as a it's like a 30 to 40 year marathon. And the closer people get to that finish line, it's not about going faster or getting bigger returns, right? People just don't want to make a wrong turn and move the finish line back another five to 10 years further down the road. Mm -hmm. right. Now, I've never done a marathon. Have you ever done a marathon, Eric? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. I, I can ride a bike that long uh, okay. if I have, you know, tacos in between. There you uh, go. But other, other than that, no, I'm, I'm not a runner, Jim, but I appreciate the question. <laughs> I didn't think you were, but I thought I'd ask. So I'm not a runner either, but I've done uh, 100 mile bike rides before. Oh, man. Okay. That's and, right. uh, 
yeah, a lot of training. It's uh, it sounds great in theory until you're like at mile 50 going, wow, I still have 50 to go. But right. as you get closer to mile 100, the last thing you want to learn is that you made a wrong turn and you still have 25 miles to go. Oh like, Lord. You just don't yeah. want that. Right. Right. And that's what I see happening with people getting close to retirement is they don't want to go backwards. They don't make a wrong turn. They don't want to see their 401k become a 201k, mm -hmm. right? Most people have already lived through volatility like that, that are at this point, right? And they don't want to see it happen again. The stakes are just too high. They don't want to say, well, I'm 65, getting ready to retire, wrong turn. Let's push retirement back to 70 or 75. Yeah, I, I, again, this, this is something that nobody wants to face. When you said somebody takes a wrong turn and all of a sudden they, they have 25 more miles, my legs hurt just from hearing you say that. I mean, I'm not even on a bicycle. I'm like, oh, I can't imagine that. But that's that's a great analogy. Um, so let's let's take it back. Let's take it back. I, I need to know kind of, um, and I think the audience needs to know what annuities are and what are some of the real key advantages of using them as a means of growing retirement assets compared to other investment options, because I think everybody else knows 401k and, and those that have, you know, possibility of pension, that's great. Um, individual IRAs, everybody knows that, how they kind of work, basically. But annuities are, I think, are still kind of in the ether a lot of times. Right. So annuities are financial products that are manufactured by insurance companies. And people tend to own annuities for four primary uses and maybe all four or may just be one of the four but the number one use that i see is that people are, are acquiring annuities because they want guaranteed lifetime income either just for themselves or they can do it for themselves and their spouse in fact a lot of these guaranteed lifetime income annuities can be positioned to have increasing lifetime income which is becoming a lot more popular as life expectancy is, is getting longer and people have inflation on their mind um, another reason why people own annuities is because of investment characteristics that they might find more attractive than other investment choices that they have available to them. And we're going to spend some some time on that. Uh, but there's also some other protection benefits that some people will acquire annuities for. Uh, there's some annuities that have some long-term care features to them. It's not long-term care insurance. It's not designed to replace it. But if you wind up in a nursing home, you might see a boost in the cash flow that the annuity produces which you can use to help cover the costs of, of long-term care, or you can use it for other things, but it's a, it's a boost in income when you may need it the most. Uh, there's also some annuities that will have enhanced death benefits. Uh, and that can come into play when people say, you know what, I got rid of my life insurance and now I kind of wish I didn't, but I'm not healthy enough to qualify, or maybe the premiums are, are higher than I can afford. Uh, there's some annuities that'll give them a, a way to continue to ratchet up that death benefit, regardless of what's happening in the market. And, uh, the fourth example, the fourth reason why people own annuities, and this really only applies to investments outside of retirement accounts, but if you buy what's called a non-qualified annuity, so this is owned outside of a retirement account, uh, you do enjoy tax-deferred growth on the assets. Now, mm -hmm. if you're going to buy an annuity inside an IRA, that's fine, uh, but you're going to follow the, the existing rules and tax rules of IRAs. You don't get any additional tax benefit because you're already getting a tax benefit from the, the IRA itself. Okay. Uh, so those are those are four reasons. But I, I do want to just spend a minute talking about the business insurance companies are in. It's the risk management business. Mm -hmm. All they're doing is they're pulling together people and money to package up the average result and offer it for sale. So just think of something that's familiar to the audience. Uh, car insurance is an easy one. Think of every driver in America today. Did everybody erect their car today? Of course yeah. not. Yeah, right? no. <laughs> You really bad day, right? Yeah. Uh, now, did some people wreck their car? 
Of course. So by creating a pool of people that are contributing money to the insurance pool, financially speaking, everybody gets to own the average result of the entire group, even though certain individuals had a bad day. So by participating in the insurance pool, the average driver did not wreck their car. So because you were in that insurance pool, your financial result is even though you totaled your car, it's as if you didn't, you're made whole again. Mm -hmm. So is there a cost of being in the pool? Of course. Otherwise, the pool wouldn't exist. Somebody yeah. has to issue the insurance contracts. Somebody has to collect the premiums, manage the money, pay the claims. Um, the insurance company has to make sure that they're adding to the reserves to make sure the company is stable for the future. So some people say, well, do I even benefit from being in the insurance pool even when I don't wreck my car? And I would say the answer to that is yes. Because if you're not in the pool, so think about all your insurances for a minute, your car insurance, your health insurance, your your disability insurance, home insurance. If you weren't in the insurance pool, think of how much money you'd have to set aside and basically park in cash because oh, you have yeah. no idea when any of these things are, are going to occur. So by be, by being in the insurance pool, it frees up your other money to be more productive. Mm -hmm. So how is this similar to, to annuities? It's the same thing. It's a large group of people pulling their resources together into the annuity in exchange for a contract with the insurance company, which is a legal obligation to do certain things or not do certain things. But rather than addressing the risks of things like wrecking a car, they're managing risk for items such as longevity, retirement cash flow, uh, or other investment risks. So some people are going to live way beyond their life expectancy, some are not. So if you go back to that sequence of return risk I mentioned earlier, yeah, some people are going to have a really good sequence of return. Some are going to have a terrible sequence of return. Mm -hmm. But just like the insurance, car insurance example, there's an averaging out effect. Now, is there a cost of being in the pool? Sure, right? It's still... It's still issued by an insurance company, but are there benefits? Yeah, they're significant. Are you going to have the most money possible if you own an annuity? We actually have no idea. You might have more money because you own the annuity. You might have less, but it's it's the benefit is it's the certainty of the cash flows that you're acquiring, which may free up your other money to be more productive. So you really have to break down annuities into two phases. There's the pre-retirement phase and there's the retirement phase. If you're looking at the pre-retirement phase, there's annuities for different investment objectives. Some people say, I want no risk whatsoever. You know, I'm looking at CDs and I kind of like the way the rates have increased over, over the last you know year or so. Uh, can I do better in, a, in an annuity? And you might be able to. So what you might find is you might find what's called a multi-year guaranteed annuity, which is it's going to feel like a CD. It's not a CD, but it feels like it in the sense that you have a fixed interest rate for a set number of years. And you might find that it's a higher interest rate for a longer time period than what you might find in, in a CD. And if that's also coupled with a guaranteed income component, that might be attractive for certain people. Other folks go, you know what? I'm okay taking some investment risk. So they might do something called a variable annuity. Mm. That's going to feel a lot more like a typical IRA or a 401k where you're investing in a basket of mutual funds inside of the account. And this is interesting for some folks because it feels like a two horse race. Most of the variable annuities that I see have a feature you can add. It's an option that's called a guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit. And what the guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit will do is again, this two horse race is you still have your investments. They're going to do what they do, right? So you're going to asset allocate, you're going to hope the market does well, but they're going to run a second calculation. If you're using the annuity for guaranteed lifetime income, they're going to say, well, what did better? Your actual investment performance, net of fees, or 
a fixed rate of return. Whichever is higher, that's the number that you're going to use to calculate your retirement income. So a lot of these contracts have what's called a step-up feature. So let's I'll just make this a dramatic example here. Maybe the guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit is just growing at a at a 6% rate each year. Okay. But your investments maybe do 20%. What a step-up feature does is it'll take that retirement income calculation and it'll increase that balance by the 20%. Hmm. And now you're locked in that worst case scenario, if that investment tanks in value the next year, you're going to get 6% growth off that prior year's return or that prior stepped up balance. Okay, so it can be very interesting for people going, you know what, I'm, maybe I'm a 60-40 I'm a or a 70-30 investor, right? 70% stocks, 30% bonds, but I'm starting to get nervous. Well, they might feel safer going, instead of just getting really conservative and jumping into maybe a 50-50 stock portfolio, maybe I'll stay at 70-30, but I'll do it inside of the annuity where worst case, if the markets don't do well or my investments perform poorly, at least I have forward progress consistently on my on my guaranteed lifetime withdrawal balance, which is the reason why I put the thing in place in the first place. So look, there's fees, there's there's some surrender charges you have to worry about. You have to read the contract, make sure you understand what these rates are, right? So I was just a made up example, but mm -hmm. that's why when we're looking at annuities, we want to compare many different companies because they're all going to have different features. The third type I'm going to cover today is something called an index annuity, which is becoming incredibly popular the last, I would probably say the last decade or so. Uh, especially the last five years. If you listen to episode 14 that we did on structured notes, this is going to sound very familiar. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen. It was a great episode. So what an index annuity is going to do, it's going to feel more like a structured note. So you're going to track an index. So you're not invested directly in the index, but they're going to track an index, like maybe the S&P 500, to calculate your interest payment. So if the S&P 500 does well, you know exactly what kind of return you're going to get. But if the S&P 500 does not do well, most of these contracts have what's called a downside buffer. Mm -hmm. What a buffer would mean is, you know, maybe it's a 20% it's a downside buffer. Maybe it's a, over a three-year calculation. If the S&P 500 is, is negative, as long as the losses are under 20%, you don't lose any principal. Right? You actually you lose zero. If, if the S&P is down more than 20%, you lose the difference. Okay. So some folks like that over a three-year period. Some people like it year to year, uh, but it's a way to benefit from a, a rising stock market or a rising bond market, depends on which index you pick, but no, you have defined downside protection in case things don't work well. So again, for folks who are thinking about retirement income, they might say, you know what, that feels like the structure. No, but it's inside of an annuity. So I have this guaranteed paycheck for life when I get there. And they might opt for that versus a structured note. People are saying, I don't need the, the guaranteed income. Then they might be better off just doing the structured note outside the annuity. So a lot of these contracts are, are interesting because the younger you are when you start them, the higher the income payout in retirement. So if you started it, like I get this question all the time, Jim, should I wait till I'm 65 years old, my magical retirement age, and, and start the annuity then? And it's like, yeah, you can do it then. But if you started it younger, maybe if you were 60 or 55 or even, even 50, you might find that the the percentage the contract pays out in income might be significantly higher. So we just have to look at this holistically and say, okay, well, what's your alternative? Where are you going to invest the money? What are the risks? What are the benefits? What are the costs? Does this fit? And is it producing outsized retirement income? And if it does, great. Like I said, it could be a piece of the puzzle. So again, 
I threw a lot at everybody pretty quickly there, but there's there's a lot of interesting types of of annuities for that wealth accumulation phase of life. Yeah, it's again. Wow, it's complicated. <laughs> I'm glad you're the one explaining this because I mean that was that was very very deep. Uh, but what I know, and and pretty much I think that every every listener out there, um, like you said earlier, market volatility is the most common concern. And you and you mentioned a couple uh, specific types of annuities there, and I'd like you to kind of speak from those that the kind of those viewpoints, if you will. How can these annuities protect against market fluctuations? You, it sounds like, to me like you explained it partially, but is there one that's better than another? It's not that there's one better than the other. It's like I look at them all as like they're all tools that are available to investors. And it's just a matter of picking the one that fits your situation. Yeah. Uh, the thing about the index linked annuities is there's a few things you have to consider, like, okay, which index are you going to track? Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're not comfortable investing in that index in the first place, then that might not be. Um, the type of account for you, or you might need to take that index and add some other indexes and basically diversify, right? But the things that, that all these annuities have is they have something called a participation rate. In other words, what percentage of the market upside do you participate in? Is it 100%? Is it 50%? Is it 200%? Like we have to figure that out. And you have to know that those rates are going to change. This is all based off of options pricing. Okay. So when these index periods expire, okay, and you get the you know, whatever they, they promised you in that in that index period, they're going to reset the rates for the next time period. So you might find that if you're coming out of a really bad market, like the stock market just had a massive declines, you might find that the renewal um, options are, are incredibly attractive. If you're coming out of an incredibly strong market, you might find, hey, options pricing has changed and there's still good options here. There's still good uh, selections to make, but it may not be quite as attractive as the initial one. So the participation rate is something to consider. Um, the other thing is you have to consider what's called a cap, which is, does the product have a maximum return? Remember, you're picking up some downside protection. Like you have a defined buffer that if the market goes down to a certain rate, you know exactly what you're protected against. So on the other side of that, you might have to give up some of the upside. So the rule of thumb on this is that the greater the downside protection, the more you have to expect there to be a cap on your return. Mm -hmm. So you might find a product that has no cap, no limit. Uh, but your downside protection may be 10%. And you might find another one that has, you know, 20% downside protection, but the upside might be, you know, 10, 15, 20%. So again, this is going to vary greatly company to company. So some folks go, I don't want to get involved in that. I'd rather do something that's more familiar, like the variable annuity where I'm investing in the mutual funds. I recognize the funds. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're going to typically pay higher in fees for the variable annuity, but that doesn't necessarily make it bad. It just means it's a different type of a chassis. So hopefully that helps explain how some of the, the volatility can work. But again, both of these types of contracts can have guarantees against if there are losses for retirement income purposes, you can have a significant level of protection. Okay. So let's talk about inflation then, because you're talking about down, downside protection, how much you're participating in the upside. Uh, but I didn't don't exactly know how inflation works into this equation, if you will. So inflation erodes any type of purchasing power if your money just sits in a bank, right? If, if you're just, if you're sitting there for 10 years and you're not making squat on the, on the money that's in the bank, you are losing money because of inflation. How does, and I'd like you to actually, uh, I'd like to ask specifically about the index linked annuities because that kind of fascinates me, honestly. How does it address inflation risk and how does it provide some sort of hedge against inflation or does it? 
It, it can, yeah. So this is this is pretty interesting. So let's go to the variable annuity first. And you asked about the index length, but I'll okay. cover the variable first. So once the income starts, it's guaranteed. It can never go down. So we have a we have an expression in our office, and that's your first paycheck's the worst paycheck. Like it can never go down, right? Now, if your investments do well and they climb above that guaranteed lifetime withdrawal balance, then you can get pay raises on your variable annuity, and that becomes your new guaranteed income. So it can it can go up, it can, just can never go down. So one of the things to consider with a variable annuity is that if you're retired and there's a significant loss in the investments, but granted, they might dig themselves back out of the hole. But if you're taking withdrawals, right, and the economy just doesn't cooperate, you might not climb back above that that value again. So you have to you have to kind of dig the balance back out of the hole to get another pay raise. There are some index linked annuities that are really they're really creative the way they work. Because it's not about you don't have to dig your way out of the hole. So there's there's one contract in particular that's coming to mind where all that matters is if the S and P 500, that's the index you're tracking in this example, if it has either a flat return at the end of the end of the year, so it's zero point zero or it's positive, then you get a you get a fixed increase in your income. So just I'll give you just an easy example here. So maybe it's a 3% increase. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if the S&P is negative, your pay stays the same the following year. If the S&P is, is 0.0, .0 or better, you get a 3% pay raise. So that, that can help folks who are going, you know what? I know that the market's not something we can predict, right? It goes up and down. I mentioned the last decade earlier, but there's going to be good and bad years. And if all I have to worry about is that, you know, maybe if the market averages a positive return every every seven years or so, okay, well then... I might see seven pay raises, right? So I think it's just a little bit simpler if folks are going, okay, I'm just looking for the most income possible. That might be a better fit than a variable annuity. Uh, other folks go, you know what? I don't think I'm gonna live that long. I got some health issues. Longevity mm -hmm. does not run in my family. Um, I don't really want an increasing income because you might start with a lower income stream if it's gonna adjust over time. You might do one, it's just a fixed income, but it might be a much higher income initially. Okay. So that, that's why this stuff all has to be looked at holistically. You can't look at any of this stuff in isolation. And, and that's where I find people run into problems. They looked at it in an isolated manner. And it's like, yeah, that's not that's not the full picture. We've got, we've got to look at all the other investments that you have as well, not just the annuity. Yeah. All right. So what are some other factors or, or maybe limitations that individuals should consider before deciding to invest in annuities? I mean, it sounds great, um, but... Again, I know it's all individualized. So I, I, I know I'm asking a very general question there, but give us some idea. So the insurance company is taking risk, right? Mm -hmm. They're also promising some significant benefits, okay? So there has to be some give and take on this stuff. So number one is you're going to see something called a surrender period or surrender charges in an annuity. So in other words, that is the early termination fee. So if you decide that you're going to own the annuity for one year and then cash out, you're going to pay a penalty. Yeah. Okay. Those surrender periods shrink over time. So one of the things you want to look at is how long is the surrender period? I've seen surrender periods that are short, maybe four or five years. I've seen them as long as 20 years. Oh, geez. And if it's 20 years and it's a really high rate, it's like, you better really, really love this contract because you, <laughs> you need to stay in this thing for the next couple of decades. That's like having a child. 20 it's, years. Yeah. <laughs> it's a commitment. It's a serious commitment. So does that make the product bad? I would say it doesn't make it bad necessarily, but I think it deserves a very, very close look. You better be very sure of what's going to happen. And you have to recognize this annuity market evolves. It changes. There's products that exist today that 10 years ago didn't even exist. Mm -hmm. Right. So 
if something becomes more attractive, maybe interest rates go through the roof. And now there's new annuities in the market paying even higher income. And you're in a 20-year surrender product. You're not going to be able to do much about that. In fact, a lot of companies won't even take the business. They'll go, you know what? You're paying a hefty penalty to get out of this thing. Like we don't, we don't want to touch it. Okay. So surrender periods, you have to look at that. Um, you know, some of these things, again, if they're, if they're shorter, four, five, six years, uh, it, it's, it's not always as bad as you go. Okay. Worst case, if, if something better exists or I changed my mind, I don't want this thing in six years. At least you can get out of a penalty free. Um, another thing to consider is most contracts are going to have a penalty free withdrawal amount. So typically it's around 10%. So that's, Hey, I put a hundred grand into the annuity, you know, life throws surprises at us. Well, I can pull 10% out each year penalty free. So that's access to $10,000. Now I wouldn't go into the annuity going, okay, I'm going to buy this thing uh, because I'm taking that 10% out each year. I think even if it was an investment that didn't have a, an annuity wrapper, that's probably not going to work out well anyway. Okay. But I, I do like that when, when contracts have that, it gives you that wiggle room in case a surprise happens in life. You can access extra money and not, not get into the big, uh, big penalty situations. Uh, fees. We'll talk about fees for a minute. Um, a lot of people think that they want to pay zero in fees, right? They just think cheaper is better. And sometimes cheaper is better. Sometimes cheaper is worse. So I'll give you a quick example. Um, I had a client, loved the idea of the annuities, right? But he also was very cost sensitive. So we started looking at various companies and we found plenty of contracts that have what's called a 0% implicit fee. Meaning there's not a management fee, not one penny. Just like when you buy a CD, there's not a management fee. Mm -hmm. Okay. That doesn't mean the bank's not making money though. The bank is certainly making money. Yeah. So even though the annuity company doesn't have a management fee, they're still getting paid. So when we looked at what is the income that is guaranteed, not a projection, but what is the guaranteed income on this annuity, right? What's the way you can generate return? And then we looked at other companies. I said, look, these are other products. They are, some of these have, I'd say middle of the road fees. Some have really high fees, but I want you to see this holistically. And what they ended up implementing was, an annuity that had a fee that was very similar to what they're used to paying on a managed investment portfolio. You know, and, and they were like, wow, this is better than the 0% fee because what they were after was the highest guaranteed income possible. And even though there's a fee involved, that one was a, was a much better fit for them. So I, again, I would say fees do matter, but it's not the only story. Okay. So those are some of the things that I think people just need to get familiar with. And again, we bore people to death going through this in great detail when we meet, because again, you have to know what you're purchasing and, and why you're doing it. Yeah. Well, if, if they're bored to death, they need to think about something else <laughs> because if they're, <laughs> if they're asking questions about annuities, you, you've got to do this. This is what you have to go over. And I have a ton of more questions, but we don't have any more time. Would you do a part two for me? Because I mean, we barely scratched the surface and I think that we're just starting to get to the good, good stuff. Yeah, because I think this was all the leading up to retirement part. And yeah. I think there's enough there to chew on. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I think what we'll do is we'll we'll do a part two to this. And we'll just spend part two talking about the guaranteed lifetime uh, income side of this and how that works into the portfolio and what does it do in terms of legacy and all that other kind of stuff. So, but yeah. I will say this, if you're, if you're curious about this topic, uh, we have lots of software, right? We have lots of tools that can... Take a look at where is your plan right now? Where are you likely headed? What does it look like with and without an annuity? And see if it's a fit, right? And I would just say, again, keep an open mind because I've had people that I'm like, I don't, I think this person's going to hate the idea of the annuity and they love it. Yeah. And I've had other people that I'm like, this person I think is, is 
definitely gonna like this idea and they hate it i have no idea so my job is not to vote for you it's to just show these are tools that are available some of these things might fit some of them may not but at least you owe to yourself to explore um what would be the the pros and cons and trade-offs and if it fits great if it's not that's okay too yeah yeah i i think that uh i had that same experience when my friends and i were first talking when the the first tesla truck was unveiled i had friends i was like oh they're just gonna love that they're like it's hideous (laughs) I'm like, oh, I kind of figured you'd like that. And yeah, yeah there's, there's there's some pretty strong reactions to annuities and Tesla trucks. I don't know if you've ever. Yeah. Well, just one quick thing before we wrap up is, that, yeah. you know, there's there's no shortage of opinions out there on annuities. Yes. And I think people, they they read stuff and sometimes that what they're reading is so outdated. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, there was a time when that that was accurate. Right. But there's also some of these things. I'm like, that's not even remotely accurate. Mm hmm. So again, I, I think you have to do your homework. And I, like I said earlier, I've gone through phases of my career where I'm like, yeah, annuities are really, really priced well. The benefits are attractive, right? The guaranteed income is attractive relative to other investments. And it was a great fit for a lot of people. And then it, there was time periods where I'm like, you know what, based on all this, the fees are too high, the income's too low, the guarantees aren't aren't attractive enough. And, you know, wasn't a big fan. But what I'm seeing, and there's, there's more books being written on this, uh, in fact, I'll reference, reference a quick book if someone's really diving into this stuff. This is called Safety First Retirement Planning by Dr. Wade Fowle, who's a PhD. Oh, yeah. He's also a uh, chartered financial analyst, really smart guy. Uh, but he dives really deep into the weeds on the math and the science behind a lot of this stuff. But, you know, I'm starting to see more non-annuity financial institutions starting to write white papers on the value of adding annuities to your retirement portfolio. I'm going, okay, now this is getting interesting. Here's companies that that really aren't going to benefit from uh, someone taking money out of their institution and buying an annuity. But what they're looking at is, hey, this this whole retirement landscape, this is a serious challenge. And there are people running out of money. And this can solve part of the problem. And they're trying to educate their readers, which I think is great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, here's the thing is that this is what you do. You're trying to educate your audience. So for those that want to, don't want to wait for part two. Um, they want to reach out and, and just have this conversation. Give them some contact info because I, I know you're more than willing to meet with them. Absolutely. So it's uh, you can go to our website, www.mcgovernwealth.com. Uh, there's a contact us form on there, or you can just email us directly. And our email address is info at mcgovernwealth.com. And uh, like I said, if you if you have questions, reach out. We're happy to, to sit with you and, and talk to you about this and other parts of your portfolio and, and help you any way we can. Fantastic. Jim, thank you so much for taking time and especially time away from your beautiful baby. Congratulations again. <laughs> thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Hey, you bet. And our last thank you, of course, goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Maximizing Outcomes podcast with Jim McGovern. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Jim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this actually helps others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at McGovern Wealth Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Compliance number 2023-156764 expires June 2025. Thanks for listening to the Maximizing Outcomes podcast, brought to you by Jim McGovern and the McGovern Wealth Group. Be sure to follow the show to be notified when new episodes become available. To suggest a topic or guest for a future episode, or learn more about how we can help to maximize outcomes in your life, visit our website at www.mcgovernwealth.com.
Variable annuities are long-term investment vehicles designed to help investors save for retirement and involve certain contract limitations, fees, expenses, and risks, including possible loss of the principal amount invested. The investment return and principal value may fluctuate so that the investment, when redeemed, may be worth more or less than the original cost. As with many investments, there are fees, expenses, and risks associated with these contracts. All guarantees, including the death benefit payments, are dependent upon the claims-paying ability of the issuing company and do not apply to the investment performance of the underlying funds in the variable annuity. Assets in the underlying funds are subject to market risks and may fluctuate in value. Riders may incur an additional cost or premium. Riders may not be available in all states. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. This podcast is intended for general public use and is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or McGovern Wealth Group, and opinions stated are their own. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities, LLC, is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a financial representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Jim McGovern is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS. Member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. McGovern Wealth Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. CA Insurance License Number. 0F67329. AR Insurance License Number 7119103. California Insurance License Number 0F67329. Arkansas Insurance License Number 7119103.